This evening I'd like to go to the book of Ephesians and uh, we realize there's more than the first and second chapter of the book of Ephesians and uh, we'll look at the scripture in uh, chapter 4 and at first as we read this we might think well this is not uh, an important matter, this is not a... uh, anything valuable or, or anything like that. But I think we'll see that certainly certainly it is. Well, no doubt it is. If it's in the Scripture, certainly it is. But Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 26, where it says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So we might think of anger or wrath. Well, that's not that's not anything serious, you know, just angry or wrath. But it carries with it a, a weightier matter that certainly is. And and if we look at verse uh, uh, twenty-seven. Neither give place to the devil. So if that certainly puts importance on verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your anger. And again, we may think, well, angry is not, uh, not very serious. That's not, that's not much of anything. But then verse 27 gets our attention. Neither give place to the devil. So this anger, in some manner, has to do with giving place to the devil. Again, you may not have thought, well, well, just angry, everybody gets angry, and it's no big deal. But it's tied in somehow with giving place to the devil. So if we think of the devil or giving place to the devil, what comes to my mind, I'm going to go there, it's familiar, but Isaiah chapter uh, 14. So if we're talking about the devil, let's go back and look at the the devil's doctrine and uh, Isaiah chapter 14. And and it's it's wonderful that we have this. We, you know, the devil, uh, what is the devil's teaching, you know, and... and, uh, we hear things on television, was this the devil or, or whatever, and, and this explains it so well, and it's very plain. And uh, so this is, this, is it. this is the devil's belief. Therefore, the devil's what he teaches and what his disciples teach. Isaiah 14. So somehow then we want to see, well, how does this tie in with being angry? So Isaiah uh, 14 and verse, well, let's go back to verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou come down, uh, cut down to the ground who didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said, and we we want to pay particular attention to what he has said. So what he has said The same thing his disciples will say and teach. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will, and you know I always put emphasis on that, 
I will send unto heaven. He doesn't say by the grace of God, does he? I will send unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So this is Satan. This is the devil. This is his belief. This is what he teaches. This is what his disciples teach. I will, I will, I will. The belief of free will. We'll just, I'll just go ahead and put that in there. So we, uh, we see that. We see, okay, it's, there's no, no doubt we know what Satan believes. He believes that I will. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And that's exactly what he is attempting to do. His will. So we look back at our text. And uh, actually, I got on the wrong page there. In the, the fourth chapter, 26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your anger. Neither to give place to the devil. So how are, how are these two tied together? Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now we could talk about those other things as well, but we'll just talk about the anger and the wrath, which is the focus of our attention this evening but uh, so, so it's clear we're not to have this anger we're not to have this wrath it has to do with the devil so it's not a it's not a small thing you may hold your place here I want to go to the book of James chapter 1 James chapter 1 Verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So the wrath of man is not the righteousness of God. Neither to give place to the devil. So I think we can see this is a serious thing. It's not something that we may uh, joke about or make light about. So I think if we look at the definition of the word anger, it kind of explains it, it all. We'll go a little farther. We could, we could really give us explanation. Just stop here. The anger or the definition of anger desire or want of self-will. If you think about it, that's exactly what it is. Do you ever get angry 
when your will comes to pass? <laughs> no, we're never angry then, are we? But if our will doesn't come to pass, then maybe we may get angry. We may have this wrath. But this says, don't give place to the devil. So, and, and this is not, this anger is not the righteousness of God. But again, what it all boils down to, anger is a desire of self-will. We're never angry when our will comes to pass. But we may get angry when our will doesn't come to pass. Well, what's, what's the bad about that? Well, it's, it says don't give place to the devil. Uh, so, of course, the natural man's going to get angry. How long should that anger last? I, I guess that's maybe that's the question. It says, don't let the sun go down your anger. The natural man, we're, we're going to get angry uh, about certain things when our will doesn't come to pass. But again, remember that definition, a desire of self-will. That's, that, that, that's such a good definition of anger, desire of self-will. Uh, but it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So... If we look at this and we say, okay, this don't give, uh, don't give place for the devil. So how, how is this so serious that it's giving place to the devil? Uh, if we believe Romans 8.28, it's in a, on a stone in front of our building out there. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. So if we're in the state of mind that we believe that, all things are working together for good, to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. So if we believe that, then why would we be angry about something? Was that not God's will? So you see, we're... <laughs> You see where the error would be. We're at that at that moment, we're doubting Romans eight twenty eight. Now we might not be consciously thinking about it, but when we're angry, we're forgetting Romans eight twenty eight, uh, Isaiah forty six and ten. He declared the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that have not yet come to pass. So for something that I'm angry about. I'm forgetting. He declared that from the beginning. And before it ever came to pass, he declared that. So we're, in those moments, we're forgetting that God's in control, that God's in control of all things. And isn't that what Satan's doctrine is? God's not in control of all things. I will exalt. I will do this. I will do that. So I, I, hopefully we can see how they, uh, they tie together and see it's not just a little thing. Uh, Ecclesiastes, well, let's go there. Third chapter of Ecclesiastes, let's just go there. You're all familiar with it. But uh, again, if when our minds are on this, when the Lord calls our minds to be on this, 
that we're not giving place for the devil. But when our will, a want of self-will, then we are. And I love this in Ecclesiastes. Verse 1, to everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And we talked about this, I think, not too long ago. We talk about it often, actually. But there, first there's a purpose. And then there's a time and a season for that purpose. And we know who has this purpose. As we looked in verse 11, he had, and I enjoy reading this whole thing, but we will do that for time's sake. Verse 11, he hath made everything beautiful in its time. Also he has set the world in, in their heart so that no man can find out the work of God uh, maketh from the beginning to the end. It's, it's God's work. And then if we go down to verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. So this event that I'm angry about, at that time, I'm forgetting this. I'm forgetting that he has a purpose and a time and a season for everything. And then, of course, verse 14 goes along with Romans 8, 28. I know whatever God doeth, it shall be forever. Well, actually, verse uh, uh, 11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Well, there's maybe something happens that we don't think is too beautiful at times because we're angry because a want of self-will but there's a time and a season for every one of his purposes and it's his purposes he sets the time he sets the season and uh, says I know whatsoever God doeth shall be forever and nothing can be put uh, to it nor anything taken from it so this event that we may be angry about are we forgetting that this is what God declared from before the foundation of the world. And nothing can be put to, uh, to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. So at a time, we're forgetting that God's in control of everything in, in, in those moments. And yes, we're going to have those moments. But I think the key there is don't let the sun go down in your anger. Realize God is in control. Because if we're, if we're not realizing that God's in control, then we're giving place for the devil. The devil, I will. So I, again, I hope we can see the value. I hope we can see uh, the importance. So as we look at anger, there's, there's several things. On one side, if we would divide it, one side we have anger, wrath, Worry, doubt, we have all those things over here, and I kind of put them all together. I like to put worry in there because I'm guilty of it, son. So we have anger and, and, and wrath and worry and doubt over here. What's the opposite of all those things? Worry and doubt and, and, and fear 
and, uh, and anger. What's the opposite of all those things? Content. Because if we're angry about something, and again, when I just say the word angry, I want you to realize it's a one of self-will, which is where giving place to the devil comes in. So if we're angry about something, what's the opposite of that? Content. We may, so we may get angry about something, but then if the Lord brings us back to our, our right mind, then we realize, yeah, that's the way he planned it. That's the way he wanted it. So then we have what? Contentment. No longer have the desire of self-will, the anger. Then we have contentment. And, and the same thing, the opposite of this anger and, and wrath and this want of self-will, that's on one side. The other side, we have contentment, but we have trust. In the moment where we're angry about this, are we trusting in God? Well, we've kind of kind of slipped from our minds, hasn't it? We're not really trusting in him. When, we, when he brings us to a right mind and this thing that is not according to what we will, but then we come into a trust. And again, that Romans 8, 28 calls us to trust and many other scriptures as well. Patience, the opposite of this anger and, and, and wrath and all those things, the opposite of that is, is patience. Patience is, uh, and we may talk about it in a minute, but patience is, uh, is really uh, having faith and trust in God. It might not be exactly the way we want it, but patience would tell us that it's going to work together for for our good. And on the opposite of the anger and wrath and worry and doubt is belief. When we're in the middle of this anger and worry and, and doubt and wrath, at that point in time, we're not believing. Romans 8.28. We're not believing what it says in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. So, if that would continue, then we'd be giving place to the devil. So, contentment. Let's, let's look at contentment because that's the opposite. So we know the anger is a one of self-will. I'm angry because my will didn't come to pass. And I don't know if we get to it or not, but uh, we can read where uh, Jonah, he got angry and uh, uh, God created this worm. <laughs> And uh, took away his shade, so uh, Jonah got angry. But anyway, let's, so, so let's look at the anger and the opposite of that is contentment. And Apostle Paul said it. He said, I've learned whatever state I'm in and that to be content. And Apostle Paul's life was a, was a tough life back then. Beat and put in prison, all those things. I don't think he was, I think uh, he was displeased with some things that happened. He was not content with some things happened. But he said, I've learned. God had taught him, 
I've learned in whatever state I'm in, and that to be content. That's a big thing. What, how do you learn to be content so Paul would be, uh, uh, be beaten and put in prison? So here he is set in prison. Now, David, the, uh, the prison's back there. I remember the first time I really thought about this. As a kid, you don't think about too much, but we uh, had a little grocery store out in the country and had this one, we called him the cookie man. He delivered cookies and everything and, uh, and really liked him. And he said, well, I'm leaving here. I'm going to the prison. The prisoners get cookies? I, I just, that just blew my mind. I just, uh, wait a minute, prisoners get cookies? I, uh, I'll tell another little story. My great-grandfather stayed with us one summer and at eat breakfast early along about 10 o'clock, he'd get a little snack. And you know what, he's, what he wanted for a snack? Two slices of light bread and a glass of water. I thought bread and water, he spent time in jail. Well, they, it's not bread and water, it's cookies and all these other things. Uh, but anyway, so Paul... <laughs> The jail and dungeons he was in wasn't like that. And I couldn't imagine how bad it is, but he had learned whatever state I'm in, and that to be content. And that, and that takes faith and trust and belief and all those things. So sitting in prison and having time to think, uh, certainly it wasn't his will, but then at a point in time, the Lord calls him. He says, I've learned. I've learned to be content. So uh, no doubt Paul did a, a lot of uh, writing and transcribing everything uh, in his, uh, when he had time to do that. So uh, he said, I've learned. And that's, that's a big thing. Whatever state I'm in, and that, I've learned to be content. How can you be content? Realizing God's in control. Realizing it's working together for good. Realizing he made everything beautiful in his time and its season. Uh, it takes, uh, well, it starts it takes a while to learn that, but the Lord can give it to us any time and whatever strength that, uh, that he desires. Hebrew chapter 13, looking at contempt. And I, well, even the psalm more sings, learning to lean. Isn't that the same thing? Learning to lean, learning to be content, learning to be secure, it, it's really the same thing. Hebrew 13 and, and uh, let's see. Hebrew 13 and verse 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And content with such things as ye have. For we have said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So it says, let your conversation, your doctrine, your belief, let it be without covetousness. Like covetousness, oh, I want what somebody else has got. I'm... And there, well, you see a lot of that 
uh, in this day and age, don't you? They want what somebody else got, and they kind of take it sometimes as well. But anyway, that's not content. If you're always people desiring, that, that's, not, that's not content. So it says, uh, let your conversation, your doctrine, your belief be without covetousness. In other words, be content in whatever state that you're in. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we be content with that. Be satisfied with that. How, how can, how's that possible? Realizing not what Satan teaches, but realizing that God is supreme. God is in control. God is doing his will. It's not Satan and Satan's teaching, I will, I will, I will. Because that's where anger, one of self-will, that's where uh, we can't be content in that state. So, uh, again, I, I want us to see that it may seem like that's ah, just a little thing, being angry. Yes, we're going to have these, maybe somebody pulls out in front of you or something like that and may have a little fit of anger. Uh road rage or something like that. But then we think, well, you know what? That was God's will. And I, uh, I do this thing sometimes. I think it irritates Dolores. Uh, somebody pulls out in front of us, and you may want to get angry, angry and blow your horn, stuff like that. And I say, well, you know, they could have just come back from a doctor's appointment and they got bad news or bad news about a loved one or, uh, well, any such thing thing as that and uh, sometimes maybe just now this comes closest to irritating me I guess somebody pulls out in front of you and then turns two blocks later something like that but if you look behind you and traffic's really heavy well you know I, I understand that and everything and then sometimes it's a little harder to defend it and I'll tell the Lord well they're just young and stupid like I used to be you know so uh, <laughs> but Realizing that even that, God had a purpose in that, and a time, and a season. And sometimes it might not be a close call. Sometimes there may be a, a, a wreck or something like that. But that too, all that, how can you be content when you have a wreck and your car's tore up or something like that? How can you be content if God, by his grace, calls the sea, that's, that's a purpose that he had and a time and a season for it. Uh, trust. In those moments, we're lacking trust. We're, again, our mind's not on the Lord. We're lacking trust. In, in Proverbs uh, chapter 3, so again, when it says don't give place to the devil, we see how serious this is. Uh, and, and uh, well, we see exactly what it is. It's... it's uh, Certainly uh, not being content. And uh, I said, what did I say? Pro oh, Proverbs chapter 3. When we're in this state. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. Now, I may give some silly examples. Somebody pulls out in front of me, and, and I'm not trusting in the Lord for that moment. 
Well, maybe that's a little, but there's, there's other things that happens in our lives that we may be angered, we might not like, or maybe a, a want of, of self-will. But that's actually a lack of trust. Trust is the opposite of that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Uh, so something may happen, you know, I don't understand this. But don't lean to your own understanding. What do we lean to? Who's in control? Who has the purpose for this? Who has the time and the season? Who uh, has the purpose that it's going to work together for good? He declared the end from the beginning. Who, who is that? See, don't lead to our own understanding. Look unto him. Uh, and in Isaiah chapter 12, we'll look at another one there. But all these things, trust and contentment, all this is the opposite of, uh, of anger and a want of self-will. Isaiah chapter 12. And this is certainly for salvation, uh, trusting him for salvation, but it goes beyond that. It's everything, trusting him in all things. How can you do that? Realizing he's in control of all things. He has declared uh, all things from the beginning. Isaiah 12, and starting verse 2, and certainly trusting him for our salvation, but for everything. Uh, Isaiah 12 and 2, Behold, God is my salvation. And of course, that's the primary thing we want to trust in, of course. I will trust... And not be afraid, for the Lord, even the Lord, is my strength and my song. He also, uh, he also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Well, we could spend a lot of time thinking and talking about that. With joy, draw water out of the wells of salvation. As we think of his salvation that he has done, that we trust in him, not lean to our own understanding, not lean to our own works, but with joy. And I told you a story many, many times, and I'll just say it again. I used to be one of Betty's neighbors. She was talking about salvation. And she said, well, she said, used to, I never doubted my salvation. Was she drawing, uh, what, let's see, with joy, shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. At that time, she says, I'm doubting my salvation. Was she drawing joy? And no. To think that you doubt your salvation, you might go to the lake of fire. There's no joy there. But she had been brought to the place that she wasn't drawing joy out of the wells of salvation. And again, the Lord gave me uh, the answer, I believe, was a good answer. And I said, there's only one reason you doubt your salvation. There's only one reason you wouldn't be drawing joy with joy out of the wells of salvation. And I, I've told you before, she had a long list of things why she was doubting her salvation. I said, no, there's only one reason. I said, it's because you're looking yourself and you're not looking to the Lord. If we're looking to the Lord, can't we with joy draw from the wells of salvation? And, and certainly we can. We have no doubts. We have no mistrust. Now, if we look at Satan's doctrine, according to our will, then 
Yeah, we don't we don't have that joy then. Uh, well, verse four, we'll read another one. Uh, and in that day, shall ye say, "Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention that His name is exalted." And if we talk about His doings, then we're we're exalting His name. He well, what's not his doing? Well, there's nothing. He said he knoweth all his work from the beginning. Every, he's, he's a sovereign God. He's in control of all things. So all things are his doing. And he calls it to work together for good, to those that love him, to those that call it according to his purpose. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. So has he done excellent things? And you know... We're just these little humans with, uh, with this little brain and little understanding unless he gives us more. He's done excellent things. We may look at events and you look at the news, you look at things that are happening. Oh my goodness, how could that be? And I've heard people say, where was God on 9-11? And, and it was, we all can remember seeing pictures of those towers collapsing. It's just uh, almost more than you can stand to, to think about. And they say, well, where was God on 9-11? That's people that didn't believe in God, of course. Where was God on 9-11? How could he allow this to happen? Well, Singing to the Lord, for he had done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. So can that be an excellent thing? I know it's hard to understand. It's hard for me to understand. We look at it, well, how could that be? I think of some things. How many people... How many of the Lord's sheep was taken home? Is that not an excellent thing for the Lord's sheep to be taken home? Of course it is. How many people were caused to look into the Lord at that time? So I'm not one to, to explain why God does everything that he does, but we have the scriptures. Uh, look unto the Lord, or sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. And we could, there's some things we can look at and have better examples. And I think this would be a good one. Uh, Joseph's brother, Joseph, you know, had the coat of many collars his dad given him. And his brother was going to kill him, and then they decided to cast him in his pit, and then they sold him into slavery. Is that an excellent thing? If we stopped there, if we didn't see the rest of the story, or if we was there, and I witnessed, well, that's not an excellent thing. And they sold him into slavery. He goes down there and gets put in prison and everything. That's not an excellent thing. Look at his father. They, and they took his coat, put animal blood on it, took it back, said, well, you know, some animals killed him and stuff like that. Look what it's done to the father and everything. Is that an excellent thing? All the grief that caused his father, is that an excellent thing? Well, according to the scriptures, Yes, it is. 
And we see, but we can see the end of that story. How it, did it work together for good? Yes, it did. It saved the whole nation of Israel from extinction, from starvation. And there's many such blessings in there. And, and you say, well, did God do it? Well, you remember when he uh, uh, opened himself up to his brethren because they didn't know who he was at first. I'm Joseph. They were terrified. He said, don't be worried. He says, it wasn't you that sent me here. It was God. Now, he said, you meant for evil, but could they have done anything else? He was cast in that pit. And he says, it wasn't you that sent me here, but they cast him in their pit. They sold him into slavery. But he told me, it wasn't you that sent me here, but it was God. Now, he said, you meant for evil, but could they have done anything else? Absolutely not. Pharaoh, and I, I think of that same thing. Uh, he told Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him, let my people go. And then he said, but Moses, before I send you, I'm going to harden his heart, and he can't let you go. I know our minds... You know, we, we have trouble with this. He can't let you go. And then, of course, we read about that, and it says, well, why does he find fault then? If Pharaoh, he was destroyed in the Red Sea. Why did God find fault if he hardened his heart and he couldn't let him go? Why did God find fault? See, shall the thing formed say to him that formed us, why have you done this? And the answer is no. We're not going to understand all those things. But we can see in the case of Joseph how, yes, this worked together for good. Yes, it was an excellent thing that they cast him into a pit. Excellent thing that he sold into slavery. Excellent thing that he got cast in prison. All these were excellent things. Uh, but certainly, well, I see we're out of time. Certainly, as we, uh, as we look to him and, and trust in him, certainly salvation is the centermost thing. But we have the opposite of that angry and doubt and worry, because I put all those in the same category. But the opposite of that is content, trust, patience, and belief. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.